so good to be with you today. And so excited for um, our familia to be together again today. Uh, glad to welcome those joining us online, but I'm telling you, nothing like the real thing right here in the same space. So uh, I have more to say that about that in a second. But I got to tell you, while, while I was away and then when I got back, I checked in through our online. So I experienced two messages from Ryan. I was here for the first one, but the last two were powerful. And I'm so thankful for his ministry among us in that leadership series. And then also, as soon as I got back, I heard about revival at student camp. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't just the... The theme wasn't just revival, but there's stirring, fresh stirring from God's Spirit, and, and I was eager to get some of that myself and looking forward to that today as well. So glad to welcome everybody to this place. Um, Ryan mentioned that Lisa and I were away on some study break. The church graciously allows me some time away to do some preparation in advance and some prayerful reflection, some, some solitude time as well this year. I was invited to go to Oxford University and participate in their apologetics conference, and it was so inspiring, and it was so educational, and it was so challenging, and it was so helpful that I asked if some of them could come here next January. <laughs> and so where, would you pray about that, that if some of the Oxford apologist professors could come and be with us here in Miami next January, let's make that a prayer together so that we can all start moving the barriers of belief and be drawn into the love that will not let us go. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, it was also great. The second week that we were in London, we were with um, my two brilliant grandsons. Have I told you about them? Um, well, now one is eight, the other's three and a half, four in November. Oh, my goodness. Lisa and I were in over our heads. Uh, we walked all over London going to every museum you can imagine. But it was wonderful to be together. I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you about that. But you know, one of the best things about being away is getting to come back to Christ Journey Church. And I'm so thankful that we have this opportunity together to share what God has for us today. And I want to start with this question. Has God ever guided you by closing doors? By closing a door. I mean, you're approaching a decision, you feel like, you're, like you're, you believe you're on track, and then suddenly the door you thought was going to be opportunity just closes right in your face. And that's not always a pleasant experience, is it? Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus made this wonderful promise. He said, ask and you will receive. I love that, don't you? He says, seek and you will find. I want to say, bring it on, Lord. This is great. He says, knock and the door will be open to you. I want to say, awesome. That sounds so cool to me. I need some right now, Lord. It's a powerful invitation to pray. Ask, seek, knock. You will receive. You will find. The door will be open. But I, be I love that. I believe that. I experience that. But I'm not going to say but. I'm going to say, and, and I've known God to guide me by closing doors, not answering in the way or at the time that I was expecting. Now, which is more fun? <laughs> God opening doors or God closing doors? Where do I learn the most? The open doors are the most fun. But where do I learn the most? The closed doors. Why? Well, maybe because God's got my attention in a new way. 
That's one thing. I wasn't expecting that. I wanted something else, and now I don't have what I want. And so the clothes when God got my attention by closing a door. He hasn't answered when, how, or where I thought he was. And then this is also what I've learned. If I will keep paying attention, if I will keep, if I don't lose interest, if I don't lose heart, if I'm not distracted off point, but if I keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking, then I have seen God's no reveal its true nature in an even bigger yes. Sometimes God says no, so he can give you a bigger yes. Don't take my word for that. We're going to unpack the story in just a second. Today our new series begins, Life Mission 2.0. That's like to the next level. Life Mission is, because you know, 1.0 is it's around the block. You've been around the block. Okay, you want a 2.0 experience. That's what we're looking for from God in this. We're going to be traveling companions with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. Acts chapter 16 through 19, if you want to follow along in your Bible today or if you want to check it out when you get home, some of the most productive time in Paul's entire life and ministry when he visits Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus. I mean, it was during those t- this time that he writes nine out of the 13 letters of the New Testament. And so we're going to visit Greece, we're going to visit Turkey, the sites that our Christ Journey group visited this April. You're going to see some pictures and hear some stories along the way. Um, Lisa and I had never been there before. I mean, we've read and taught his teachings, his books all of our life, but this was our first time to visit. And since we couldn't bring all of our church with us to go, we decided we'd bring some of that here for all of our church. And I think you're going to be inspired by it. I think you're going to find it interesting, but it's going to be more than simply a, uh, a, f- a history field trip. It's going to be more than a travel getaway. We want to help you experience some of what we did, and so we're going to ask God to speak to us from his word and shine some light on our life mission today, your life mission today. Now, you may have already wondered, what does any of that have to do with me? Well, that's what we're going to discover. And the bottom line is that God has a mission for your life. God has a purpose for your life that is supposed to give meaning to your everyday, not just one big splash, boom, but every day experiencing the meaning of God's purpose in your life and God's mission, Life Mission 2.0, in a way that will help you know how to face forward even into our strange new world today. Our world is full of challenge, full of change. You don't need to tell you that. But so was Paul's. And Jesus helped him, and Jesus is going to help you too. This series is built for that. You may be surprised to see how their first century faith finds real-time application in our 21st century lives and issues. Timeless truth from the time of the Roman Empire now changing lives today. And the story starts with God guiding in Paul and his companions through what? Anybody guess? Closed doors. <laughs> he gets tons of, it's like no, 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 we get from God in Paul's life during this. We're going to pick it up in chapter 15, book of Acts, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord. And let's see how they're doing. Barnabas would want, wanted to take John 
also called Mark. But Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia. He hadn't continued with them in the work. I mean, midstream, he just quits. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and then Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Wow. I mean, they barely begin this amazing tour of, of opportunity, and they're met with this record scratch stop before anything gets started. Barnabas wants to take his cousin, John Mark, and Paul says, no. And uh, Barnabas responds then to that no with an even bigger no and says, well, then I'm going to head off in an entirely other direction. I hope you'll read this later in your own uh, Bible and then ask God to give you insight as you do. But they set off in another direction. Here's the question for us today. Have you ever been on a team where uh, you had trouble with your team trying to get something significant done? Where it appeared that the leaders were not in agreement? <laughs> where the team from the outset has like had this broken place going on in them? This is what's happening here. Paul's team blows up. Two significant leaders are knocking heads in disagreement. Paul feels the task at hand will require that people that they can count on, that they can totally rely on, and when they get out in the middle of it, somebody's not going to bail out, which is exactly what happened the first time with John Mark. I mean, he left them, he started, but he didn't finish his job. So whatever happened had left such an imprint on Paul's emotional memory that he just didn't want to go through it again. And so he said, no, no, no. And then... Barnabas' response, ever the encourager, Barnabas' encourager, he wants to give John Mark another chance. Maybe you're thinking that's what should happen here too. Give him another chance. Remember, it was Barnabas who first would find Paul and introduce him to the apostles in Jerusalem when they were suspicious of him because of his past behavior. Barnabas was that guy. And uh, it was Barnabas who later lifted Paul out of obscurity and got him his opportunity to start teaching in the church at Antioch. And so Barnabas is just doing what Barnabas does. He encourages people and he helps give them a second chance. So there's a sense in the story right at the outset that both of them are right. Have you ever witnessed an argument where both people really are right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're kind of arguing passionately because they're right. And one believes they're the most right of the right ones. And that's what's happening here. I mean, it's a hot word. The word translated sharp disagreement. It carries with it the sense of loud voices getting louder and red faces and uh, uh, a hot temper that leads to a sharp disagreement. They part company. Barnabas sails off to another mission in Cyprus. Can you imagine? I mean, Paul wants to go north, and Barnabas heads south. That's a disagreement. Chapter 4, verse 36 tells us that Barnabas was from Cyprus, so maybe he just decided to go home, go visit some of his family, go do some work down there. We're not told in the text, but whatever. It still just sounds messy. It sounds awkward. It sounds embarrassing. Can you put yourself in the story and feel any of that? Maybe some of your own stories coming up about leadership 
divisions like that. The, it's embarrassing. I mean, the, the leaders disagreed, the team split, the whole thing blew up, and now you've got two projects underway. That's where the story begins. Now, why would Luke start with a story like that? Right? And I'm thinking, well, maybe because it's true. <laughs> and then secondly, maybe because it's so human. Isn't this like human beings? It's our story too, isn't it? And that's the story the Bible's telling. The Bible does not whitewash or Photoshop our humanity stories in the midst of telling it. I mean, it just puts it out there. Tells it like it is. Warts all, uh, shows the blemishes. There's no airbrushing of that. That's what's happening here. Leadership, maybe here's the lesson. Leadership involves messy Emotional disagreement, sometimes conflicting positions with differing opinions that even result in the loss of a team member. Maybe God wants us to see that he will use us where we are, as we are, and then grow us as he does, even in our broken places. Now, if you're new to the New Testament, it may help you to know that uh, sometime later, Paul does write a letter explaining that John Mark is very valuable to him. So whatever disagreement had separated them earlier, love and wisdom has now restored. But in the meantime, from this story, here's the message. God will use us, what, God will use what we give him to get his will done. Now let's move on to the next one because I already said that one. Let's move on. What's the next lower third? God, there it is. God uses what we give him to get his will done. And that is true for you too today. That you want God's will in your life, then he will use what you present to him in order to get it. You say, even if it's broke, even if it's broken, yeah, that's where this story starts. Even with a broken relationship, even with disagreements, God still used what they presented to him from their heart to get it done. And so... Um, Verse 1 of chapter 16 starts with Paul deciding to take Silas, a Roman citizen, which we'll see matters next week. Um, but off they go. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish, a believer, and whose father was Greek, who perhaps wasn't a believer, we're not told. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, and Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. And so here we're seeing, you know, he's not against having a young person along or a young leader coming along on the journey. He wants them to come along. So he circumcised him because of the, wait, what? He circumcised him because of the Jews. Yeah, that's really in there. Who lived in the area. For all they knew, they, or they all knew, that his father was a Greek. And then they traveled from town to town. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people who obey. And the, the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew in numbers daily. So here's the scenario. Timothy, probably 20 years old or so at the time, is invited to join the team of Apostle Paul, but not in his present state of uncircumcision. The task before him was involving trying to reach Jews, and uh, the Jews at the time were not interested in listening to Jews that had not been circumcised. Since his mother was Jewish, Timothy qualified as a Jew. So the rabbis had determined that though you can never be certain about paternity, you can be pretty sure about maternity. 
And since his mother was Jewish, he qualified as a Jew. But he had not been circumcised since he was born because his daddy was Greek. And so what Paul says is since we're going to be seeking to reach Jews, you can't go like you are. For the sake of the mission, no, you can't go like you are. So he was circumcised. Ouch. When was the last time in order to qualify to go on a mission tour at Christ's journey, you had to be circumcised? I'm not aware of one. Aren't you glad? No. I, don't answer that question. How did I take, I'm chasing that rabbit here. Um, but he was circumcised, not to say I'm receiving salvation, but to say I am strategically on mission. That was what was going on here. And so what's the story's barely begun, and here's what we've already learned. No, not that team. No, not in that condition. Pick it up in verse 6. What happens next? Well, Paul and his companions travel throughout the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Wait, what? The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the word? I thought that was the job. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. What? What's going on here? I mean, they've got their team, they've done their diligence now, and, and they're, they're getting on task together, and they're going to go encourage new believers in Asia and Bithynia, and so they head out only to hit two new closed doors in a row. Please, read this for yourself and ask God to give you insight. We're not told how Paul knew the doors were closed, only that he did to Asia. And so his plan, remember, was to check on the people where he and Barnabas had taken the gospel on their first mission adventure. So he sets out trying to do that. And now 300 miles later, God tells him, no, don't go there. And they're not told why not. I mean, they're also not told where to go. Has that ever happened to you? God closes a door, but he doesn't bother to tell you where the window is. You know, people always say that, oh, God closes a door, he'll open a window. But God didn't show them or tell them or anything like that. He just shut the door. He said, don't go there. He doesn't. It's like you're on a need-to-know basis, and you just don't need to know from God's perspective. I've been there. Maybe you have too. Sometimes God doesn't tell you the the whys or the wheres, and doesn't even tell you the what's next. That's happening to the Apostle Paul. So here's the question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, here's what does Paul do. He stays on mission. Paul knew, he remembered from his Acts 9 encounter, back there where Jesus got hold of his life, and where he tells him what he wants him to do, he remembers that. Here's what I'm thinking. And that Jesus said, I want you to make shine the light and make the gospel known to the Gentiles. So what does Paul do? He heads up the road trying to find some Gentiles. Because that's what he knew he was supposed to do. What are you supposed to do when God doesn't seem to be speaking? I think the wisest thing is to go back to where you heard God speak most clearly last and ask yourself, did I do what he asked me to do? And ask him, Lord, did I do what you wanted me to do? Because, see, he may want you to do that first before you can get to know what he wants you to do next. So, Lord, tag up to where did he speak most clearly, and then say, Lord, did I do what you wanted me to do? And then, if 
You say, well, yeah, I did that. Then ask him this. Do you want me to keep on doing that? Because that's, if that's where God made his will known most clearly to you, then go there and do that thing that you know God requested of you. Well, Paul does that. And so now he's thinking, well, Bithynia, let's go to Bithynia. There's some Gentiles there. But he goes up the road there, and God says, no. <laughs> what? Okay, not, okay, Lord. Um, how about Mysia? Goes to Mysia. He says, no, not there. So here's what Paul's got. The journey's begun. He says, not that team, not that condition, and not that place, not that place. So what does he do next? He tries to stay on mission once again. He's thinking, hey, you know what? God didn't say no to Troas yet. Could happen. <laughs> so he goes to Troas. And then what happens? So, well, before we get there, here's the lesson. Stay present, stay faithful, stay active. If that's your experience right now, then don't go passive and don't hole up in disappointment and say, well, God, why would God, no. Stay present and active and faithful and expect God to show up like the promise. Ask, seek, knock, and then do what you know to do and keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Why? Because it's always easier to guide a moving object. You ever tried to steer a stalled car? Is it easier when you've got some friends that are pushing it from behind to steer it? Yes, a moving object is always easier to steer. So keep moving. Psalm 32, verse 9, great verse worth memorizing. Don't be like the horse or the mule. People can be like that. Don't be like that which have no understanding. they got to be controlled by bit and bridle or they won't come to you. No, verse 8. I will instruct you, God is, teach, is speaking, and I will teach you the way you should go. I will, let's all, say this all together, shall we? Guide you with my eye. I will guide you with my eye. So use your head, follow your heart and the spirit, but keep your eyes on him. How, do you gui- how does somebody guide you with their eye? Only when you're looking at them. So he's saying, I don't wait for me to jerk you around from behind or hit you from the side. Let's spend time looking in my face. Like a loving parent or a friend or a knowing, somebody that knows you, you know how they guide you with their eyes. You don't have to say a thing, but you just know. You look at them and it's like, they know. So God is inviting us into relationship that is personal, that spends time in his heart and in his face, which raises another interesting question. It flows out of relationship, not out of some detailed marching orders that come specifically for you to go get something done. How do you have a relationship with an invisible God? How do you look at an invisible eye? That's part of the journey. That's part of the discovery. You start learning how God speaks and how God leads. And it's the same way with any relationship, isn't it? You spend time with the person you're relating to. You listen to them. You talk to them. You can do all of that with God. And then you start picking up their signals. So also is happening here. I'm imagining that night, you know, they tuck themselves in for the night and they're wondering, Paul's put his head down and he's wondering when the next door is going to close because that's like all he's getting is these closed doors. What's going to happen next? And I wonder if he's imagining, you know, well, this wasn't the plan. (laughs) These weren't the team. And uh, this is like, we're not even close to the place where I thought we'd be going. 
and then he drifts off into sleep. Verse 9, during the night, he has a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come on over to Macedonia, help us. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once. Now that makes me wonder, you know, did he wake up in the middle of the night? He goes and he says, hey Luke, wake up. Hey Silas, come on. We got to get up. We got to go right now. God has told me. It says, I get ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This was a faith decision he had to make. He had a dream of a guy who said, come on over. And yet Paul exercises his own act of faith and concludes in his own head, I think God's in this. And then Luke and Silas and Timothy get up and go with him in the middle of the night. Off they go to a whole other. Now back up a little bit because that's not Syria, that's not Cilicia, that's not Asia, that's not Galatia, that's not Bithynia, that's not Mysia. That's where all the previous journey was, but this is whole other. Macedonia, Greece? Paul makes a faith call that a man in Macedonia is the voice of God calling him to help them out of this vision. Now that exciting part of the story is still full of more surprises, and next week we're going to pick that piece of it up. But for now, where are we? Here it is. God is redirecting. God is reinventing the whole idea, the whole endeavor. And here, I'm saying that because of this. If you've ever sought to be on a team to get something done, chances are you have had somebody give you some type of planning framework for success that involves this type of thing. First, you need a task. Clearly identify what needs to be done. What's the need that you're going to meet? What need are you going to be filling that people need in their lives? And then secondly, a target. How will you know you succeed? And then you're going to build your metrics around that so that you know you're making progress. What's the bullseye of that target? So you know when you're hitting it or not. And then you're going to need a team. You're going to need other people to work with you, colleagues and skill sets that perhaps you don't have, but people that you can count on, right? And then you're going to need to get the right tools the right training of those tools so that you'll be outfitted for the job before you. And then I'm telling you, timing is going to be essential because if you enter the market when the time isn't right, then things aren't going to go as well as you thought they would. So you see, you're familiar with a list like this. Some of you have seen a list like this. Some of you operate from one like this. You know what we're talking about. And yet look at what Paul experiences in his journey. His team blows up. No, not those people. His task is redefined. No, not that. His target is clarified, not that destination. And then the timing is delayed. No, not yet. Any of those look familiar to you? Now, maybe they haven't all happened in your framework at the same time. But I think God is trying to tell us that we experience those in our journey toward success in life, too. And when they happen, where do we turn? What do we do? As we try to discover God's will, as we try to fulfill his purpose and his mission in our lives why did God say no to Paul? Well, as we see, and we're going to see next week, he had a bigger yes. Why is he saying no to you? Because, it, is it because he's got a bigger yes? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know why. But that's something you need to take up with him. He wants us to stay attentive, stay agile, stay curious, and keep learning. Learning what? Well, maybe that sometimes God says no, so he can give you a bigger yes. And maybe that's what he wants you to talk with him about today. 
Because his big yes, there are some givens from the word for us. For instance, God has a mission and a purpose for your life. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's one that's going to fit your desires, your aptitudes, your longings, your gifts, your passions, your skills, and he wants to be in on that journey relationally with you. And Jesus taught that if you want to know it, God will bring you in on it. That's why I think he taught us to pray this, your kingdom come. You're my king, you're my master, here's my schedule. Your will be done as it is in heaven right here on earth. But that will involves mystery and discovery. It involves disappointments and surprises. And sometimes we're going to pass through the tunnel of turmoil where it's going to be messy and awkward and embarrassing and appear non-productive. And you may hit, I mean, difficulties and troubles are going to come. And you may hit a conviction impasse where you're right and they're right. And where are we going to do what's most right next? When both are right, what's the next right thing? Well, there's a letter that Paul wrote to Galatia where he wasn't supposed to go preach this time, but in it he says this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's what he was learning, and that's good wisdom, that in all things we would seek to live by faith through love, that we let wisdom guide our thinking, our feeling, our deciding by faith through love. How do we do that? Well, I would say embrace a focused faith. Embrace God's will through a focused faith. How can you do that today? You say, I don't know God's will. Okay, you say this, Lord, I don't know your will, but I want it. If you want me to know it, then I want in on it. So that's what embrace God's will through a focused faith is. Lord, it's not clear to me, but I'm trusting you to meet me in it. So I want it. And if you want it, it's harder to miss than to find. Embrace God's will. God has a will for you, and you will find it by seeking him first. And then some mile markers along the way that we see in the story. Follow the light that you have. Do what you know to do, and move with the movers. Keep moving, and then be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings in your circumstances. How do you do that? Well, here's a prayer. Lord, I'm willing to let go in order to hold on. We see that that Paul is saying you got to adapt to stay on mission with God in love. Love is going to give you the stamina to keep on going because love endures all things. That's another letter that he wrote during this period to the people in Corinth, including how to let your plans breathe, how to give yourself space, how to uh, allow God to work change in them in the midst of the decision. And then finally, it's being willing to show compassion with those with whom you disagree. We've seen in time past in another message that God answers prayer in one of four ways typically. He says no when the request isn't right. He says slow when the time isn't right. He says grow when for whatever reason you're not right. And then he says go when everything's right. You get the green light. But today we're answering another question. What do you do when God doesn't speak? When he's not saying anything. What do you do? Well, he says you keep your eyes on him. <laughs> you keep your eyes toward his face, and you keep moving forward by faith in love. And then you learn to let him lead, even if it's by closing doors. 
You keep moving forward by faith through love, and you act by faith in love as you uh, respond to the closed doors. And sometimes it's just going to feel awkward, and it's going to feel messy, and it's going to feel disappointing, and it's going to feel embarrassing, and it's going to feel non-productive. But in all those situations, we, we can be assured that God is still working. God is still moving, just like we sang earlier. God is at work, and we can trust him, even when leaders don't get it right. God does. And this gives us confidence to say, God can open more doors to mission. God can send more teams out on mission. God, he will use what we give him, so what am I giving him today? And then we learn from our mistakes as we go. So, what are you learning today in your situation? And what is the decision What is the prayer that would help you access your life mission 2.0 today? Maybe for you, God has closed the door and it doesn't feel good. A big no has come into your life and you don't like it. There's been a disagreement that has sent leaders that trust one another and care about each other in two different directions. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? We got young people who are coming out of a revival experience at camp, and I'm telling you, God wants you to have more than one week of spirit-inspired living. He wants you to know his will and do his will with your whole life. But I want to say, so you're never too young to seek God's will. But I got to tell others, you know what? You're never too old. (laughs) Oh, I'm too old for this. No, you're not. You're not too old enough to say, God, what do you have for me? I want it. And it doesn't matter what no has come into your life, God got a bigger yes. And that yes comes in Jesus Christ. Say yes to Jesus. Let him lead you. And to help us do that today, I'm inviting our worship response team to come and just be available for prayer across the front, along the sides of the building right now. If you know in your heart that there's a prayer you'd like somebody to pray with you, here's what you can do. You just get up from where you are. You come down here. If you want a mask, we got masks and sanitizer. You know, if you want that to be sure that everything's going to be copacetic here. But here's what we want to do. I want you just to say, you know, my name is, and Ralph, Raphael, my name is Bill, and I got this thing happening in my life. Would you pray for me? Then our teams are going to pray for you, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever the Spirit leads, and then you can say, thank you, amen, go be seated. But I don't want anybody leaving today and not being invited to move by faith in love and to know that your church is here praying for you and with you. And so that means you can, you can get up and move now if you want to. In fact, why don't we all stand together, and in that one movement, if you know there's a prayer need in your life that you just let somebody pray with you, just step on out now. And our team's going to come in a moment, and we'll have an extended time, but um, this is a house of prayer, and God wants us to be invited into his bigger yes today. What is it he's saying to you? You could come as a couple, husband and wife. You could come as a boyfriend, girlfriend. You could come as a parent and a child. You can come with whatever that financial decision, whatever's going on. It's just like, man, God, if I'm not getting this, I'd like somebody, a brother, sister to pray with me, for me. Then we're here for that. And friend, if you're connecting here today, thank you for being here. But if 
your faith in Jesus has been about religion and not knowing how to look him in the eye, then Jesus wants you to know how to do that. And your first step is a prayer of faith that could very well be like this. I'm going to say a prayer. This is voice of your heart, then you say it. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Come into my life. If you have a life mission for me, I don't want to miss it. I want what you want for my life. So forgive my sins, fill me with your spirit, and lead me as I follow you and learn how to move from my way and join you in your way. If you made that prayer and would invite us to invite God's blessing upon you, then you can step out right now and just come and say to somebody, I just prayed with Pastor Bill, and would you pray for me? Amen. To my left, we got two brothers down here that are available. You don't have to wait. But our team's going to sing. We're going to sing as well. And let's invite the Spirit to do what He wants to do with us now.